Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Mavericks. Your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, welcome into the Locked On Mavericks podcast, a part of the uh, Locked On Podcast Network that I hope you're enjoying by this point. I dare you to look up your favorite, uh, let's say, football team, since the Mavericks are obviously your favorite basketball team. Uh, the, your favorite the Alouettes. <laughs> uh, I think they actually have a little bit of Canadian football going on. Damn it! On the net, on the network. Yeah, don't even don't even throw in this cloud All coverage. Right, the my Claymores, man. the team I always used to pick on Madden whenever I would choose a Euro team and try to beat someone just to flex. <laughs> the rain fire of NFL <laughs> Europe. That's yeah. right. That's Not right. yet, but we're working on that. So now go look up your favorite uh, your favorite college uh, conference football wise, your favorite NFL team. I bet you we got something for you here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we're very happy to be a part of the network, your new Locked On Mavericks with myself, Mike Marshall, and uh, Jacob Kemp. Uh, this is the episode for Tuesday, September 13th. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to keep this a little bit more brief than we did uh, yesterday's, uh, simply because we wanted to let you know that we're funny guys and we can tell jokes. <laughs> so, we sp- so we spent 10 minutes on that. But this won't be uh, that lengthy. We're going to talk about our favorite uh, off-season upgrades and things we think the Mavericks will do better this season. And uh, there are some downgrades in there, believe it or not, and things that they might do worse. So there's that. Uh, If you would like to sponsor Locked on Mavericks, you can do so by contacting me, Mike Marshall Mail, at gmail.com. That's a... uh, an email account, if you aren't familiar with that, and you can send that to me, and I'm just going to tell you to double it. No matter what you send me, I'm just going to hit the table while I do it, and I'm going to say double it. Points so on the just, package. <laughs> just be prepared for that. Uh, but yeah, maybe we can sort something out, and you can be a sponsor on here, and you can have uh, you know your business uh, being heard by people that you're trying to broadcast to, which is probably dudes like uh, 18 to 55 that really like basketball. So... There you go. There's that part of it. Um, at Machine Sports is my Twitter handle. At not Jack Kemp is his. And you can also follow the show in general at Locked on Mavs if you're so inclined. If you don't ma- mind adding three follows in one day. I know that's a little uh, uh, quick in the relationship status for some, some folks. But uh, if you want to get on board, go ahead. We're going to be here every day for you talking some Mavericks at your, uh, at your ears. So I hope you enjoy it. Jacob, how are you, friend? I'm doing very well. My plan there usually is to unfollow three other people. Ooh, got to even it out. Yeah. Do you, you keep know? it at like a funny number? Man, I used to, but then, um, you know, because I'm not very talented, I tried to make up for that by, again, <laughs> this is the theme of the weekend is by being like extra friendly. 
Mm-hmm. So I would follow people that would just say, hey, will you follow me? And like before, I would have just been like, oh, no, F you. And now I'll just do that. <laughs> and then it kind of creates this air of goodwill. Even though like I'm grinding my teeth when I do it, I just do it. So um, I used to keep it at nine ninety nine. That's um, a power move. Yeah, it is, but it's also like in total discrepancy with my general uh, worldview that fives and zeros are hopelessly overrated. <laughs> uh, so it's it's like odd to be that guy and then be like, it's not nine ninety nine. It's under a thousand. Yeah, right. But I was clearly get your just, mind correct. I was edging. I was follow edging, and uh-huh. uh, I don't know. Now I just kind of just said, now nah, whatever. And t- sometimes think- I'll just try to go through and like weed out the people who have died or haven't tweeted in a while or maybe their blog sure. their blog shuttered. Yeah, we gotta get horse ebooks off my follow list real oh, quick. Wow. Since, since they aren't cooking anymore. Yeah, I uh, had to wish Dad Boner a, fr- a farewell a few months ago. I remember <laughs> looking at that being like, ah, you know, quality. He's still not. doing jokes every once in a while. His stories yeah, aren't as funny. Like sort of the, the writing thing. has really gone downhill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the writing who, has taken a turn. Who would have thought that that was a limited character? <laughs> Nobody. They they were about to get hit sitcom status where people were just yeah. like, gotta have more of it. Yeah. That probably happened um, actually. We just don't know. It probably didn't make it to air. Yeah, exactly. It's a comedy cent- it's a Comcast venture that just kinda died. Yeah. Um a couple bits of news here. Darren Williams uh was cleared to participate in training camp today. Uh Devin Harris, on the other hand, was not, as yeah. we're just gonna as we're just gonna have to amputate his toe. Um, at some point in the near future. So if you're worried about those kind of things, um, the exact contract that got Darren, or the exact issue that got uh, Darren Devin Harris's contract revoked a couple years ago is the same exact issue he has every offseason. Huh. That's confusing. Mm-hmm. His left left big toe and his thumb just, <laughs> he's, having a, he's having a rough go of it. But, um, you know, I don't see Devin Harris being that much of a uh, contributor on this team anyway. So, not that interesting. The Darren Williams thing is uh, because I know he got a hernia last year, and he's just an often injured dude, so I want him to be fully healthy in training camp. I know last year during media day he was super excited about um, actually being able to participate in a training camp and having an off season where he didn't have a surgery and stuff like that. And uh, anyway, there's some news for you on that front. But let's get to uh, what we're going to do this week, which is – uh, biggest upgrade on the roster that'll probably uh, cause some some kind of statistical trend, or uh, and then we'll get to the biggest downgrade because we'll save the negative for later. Uh, for me, if you don't mind, if I go first, yeah, not a whole lot I can do about it now. <laughs> uh, the biggest upgrade to me uh, when I look at the moves that the Mavericks made in the uh, in the off season, the the crumbs that uh, Lord God Kevin Durant left us. I'm going to go ahead and say that Andrew Bogut over Zaza Pachulia is going to be the biggest upgrade of the offseason. And you might look at the numbers and just kind of squint and go, no, these dudes are exactly the same. Like, what are you talking about? I think I've drastically overrated Andrew Bogut's injury history because he had two really uh, injury-riddled seasons back-to-back in 11-12 and 12-13 where he played 12 games in 32 but in the last three, man, he's started 65-plus games, and he's been there a lot. Not heavy minutes, of course, but uh, that was the one thing I was really worried about. And then I look at it, and I'm like, okay, well, he played basically the same number of games as Zaza last year. And the thing about Zaza Pachulia is it was really cute and fun 
to get him almost into the All-Star game and get Wycliffe John singing about him uh, and all that business, but he just wasn't that talented. <laughs> I don't know another way to put it. Like uh, He was averaging nearly a double-double before um, he ran out of gas around, right around the All-Star break um, and got a sore Achilles, and that led to other things. Um, but if you look at numbers-wise, Zaza last season was basically a uh, a push, yeah, a slightly a slightly positive player uh, according to uh, offensive rating and defensive rating, a positive of zero point nine, and that seems about right. I think if you took the temperature fifty games in, it might have been a little bit different. He might have been a plus a plus two overall or something like that. Um, and then you go and you look at Andrew Bogut's sheet from last year, and yeah, he's playing on, uh, you know, the Globetrotters, but he's a plus 14.2, a defensive rating below 98. It sits at 97.2. Um, he finishes everything around the rim, which I'm exceptionally uh, eager to see because yeah. Zaza would even get the ball on a dive, on a pick-and-roll dive play, and there's no one but him in the basket, and Dude, he would look like I just threw a game of Tetris at him and just shut down and triple pump and eventually get fouled. And, yeah, Zaza scores more than Bogut um, slightly. I mean, it's three points a game last season. He's also play, He also played seven more minutes, and the only difference between them two is that Zaza would get to the free throw line because he's a decent uh, free throw shooter. But I think you're going to be very encouraged by Andrew Bogut's uh, – rim defense, how many blocks he can get, um, and how often he can finish whenever he actually does touch the ball. So there's my number one. I've got some other ones, but what's your number one? Well, first of all, on that, I think uh, I think that Zaza's like big trait was that he can kind of move the ball for a big, mm-hmm. but Boga can do that too. Sure, sure. And yeah, and I, I didn't even mention uh, screen setting. Yeah, and that Bogut is yeah he sets dirty screens, but he's one of the best in the league. Yeah, I think Zaza's pretty pretty solid at that as well. But he's fine. Yeah, I think I think Zaza's probably above average. Bogut's just the best. Maybe we like over accentuate Bogut's injury history because like half their games are on television. Yeah, and you're like oh yeah. man, I'm seeing like every one of this team's games. This guy and also like because they had so many dudes who can play. Um. Well, hell, you might just see this this year because they basically just flip teams because the Warriors had so many dudes who could defend bigger and smaller than their position. Mm-hmm. It just didn't really didn't really made make too much sense for them to keep. Like, I think Bogut could have played more minutes on another team. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, it might not and, have been a great idea, but he could have done it. Yeah, and um, whenever they get to the playoffs, like some series, he just doesn't have a home. Right, and I think that sticks in your mind as well. Well, he doesn't have a, ser- a home on a, a team that's trying to win a title. The Mavericks will absolutely mm-hmm. still play him. <laughs> yeah, uh, if he yeah, can. for sure. Yeah, I want to see what his his mixture is like. What his minutes, um, the goal for his minutes are. How many field goal attempts uh, he's going to get? Because it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Than what it was in Golden State the last four years, where basically he would shoot um, five shots a game uh, over like twenty to twenty five minutes. And before that, dude in Milwaukee, he was an all-star center. Yeah. I mean, he would shoot upwards of 12. It, his drop-off from season to season was 11.3 uh, field goal attempts per game. It dropped down to five 
Like he he was just That's a completely different dude. Nuts. Yeah. Well, for mine, uh, the easiest answer that is probably not fair would be to just say uh, biggest upgrade team defense, biggest downgrade team offense. Because like we were talking mm-hmm. about yesterday, I really think that they're probably going to flip flop on those two spots. They'll they'll sniff top ten. Really, they should be a top ten defense. Um, if you're going to pay, you know, your two and your three both to be stoppers that can guard four through one. Uh, they should be a top 10 defense, but they also probably belong in the bottom half of the league on offense. But I'm going to go a little bit even more weirdo and say that the news note you had earlier about Devin Harris. Mm-hmm. I know that Devin Harris, like a lot of times, played off the ball last year, and he's able to mix and match his you know twos and ones minutes. And I know that he's still going to play some when he's healthy, and I, I'm glad he's on the team because... His contract as a uh, percentage of the cap as of now is basically it's change. Yep. And another guy they were able to get on a change just out of your freaking cup holder contract under this uh, cap in Seth Curry is going to take his minutes. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's one better. of my positives. He is better. And I know that last year he only – like they really only – like. We're kind of basing this on the last, like, month of Sacramento's season. He played, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 16 games. He started 10 or so of them, but he was, like, electric. <laughs> and yeah. And he shot, like, 45% from three, and he was his pick-and-roll ball handling was great. He's no worse, not too much worse on defense than Devin is, so it's not like he's just killing you there. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like he's a plus defender, but he's replacing someone who's also at this point probably not a plus defender or, you know, isn't. And Devin's never been able to shoot like Curry can. And he probably has never really been able to handle quite like he has either. So I know there's still a place for Devin, but given the constant injury and given that, like, he doesn't really make any money, so it's not like a situation where you feel like you have to keep him on the floor or you have to keep him in the rotation. Right. I think by month two or three, Curry's going to be – your first true guard off the bench. Now, Justin Anderson will probably get more minutes, but Justin Anderson plays some three, you know, I mean, I guess Berea, but I almost view, okay, so he'll be your second guard off the bench. I just think in general, Curry over Harris can give you, and over Felton really, can give you major upgrade if, you know, Rick just, you know, ends up trusting him in that role, then, you know, basically he'll just be like your Berea too, just with a little more size and, a little bit more consistent outside shooting. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I have that one written down as well. And I, I put it as uh, Seth Curry's greater than Ray Felton um, because I think he'll play better than we than what we got out of the, um, I guess, marginal uh, productivity out of Ray Felton that he would give you. But looking at, those, at March and April for Seth Curry, dude, that just makes me smile. Like 45% and then 46%. Um, from the field, 40 from three, and then 49 from three. <laughs> and uh, once he finally started like getting starts, that's something we haven't seen, Alpha, from a bench guard um, uh, on our team. And then Devin Harris didn't even like, I didn't even, he didn't even pop into my head hardly just because I know he's not going to be healthy come playoff time. <laughs> so yeah. it was just, it was just kind of Seth Curry's greater than Ray Felton. And, all, and I can also put Devin Harris next to it. And I think that's a great point. And yeah, the other thing is, is Curry's like 24, 
25. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I know I think it's a one year with a one year option, but mm-hmm. you know I think a lot, I think despite the horrific luck they've had with free agents, I think it like kind of overall colors our opinion on whether or not guys like to play here. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember who I heard talking about this. It was either uh, Zach Lowe or Woj or somebody was talking about like veteran dudes or dudes who have had like struggles in other places in their career. Like they really do like playing for Carlisle. Oh, yeah. Like, the overall roster might not be that attractive to an A-list free agent. But as far as, you know, your Sean Marion's, your Vince Carter's, your, uh, well, hell, Raymond Felton. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, like, thought of as a place that you don't want to go play. So, I think that, (laughs) especially given the fact that he took a fire your agent contract, I think Curry probably wants to play here. Yeah, and I think if so. He, and like, I think really goes nuts. Like he may want to stay. Yeah, and I wish they had two or three more Seth Curry type dudes, uh, guys of that caliber who have tremendous upside. I think that's been a problem with them. I mean, we've talked about it at length before. Of um, you know, you are misjudging yourself, thinking that. You know, you're going to get an A-level free agent. Why don't you go get B-level free agents that would just be really happy to play for a winning franchise that's dedicated to uh, competing every single year? Yeah, because then you've... maybe you'll have a better chance at an A because you have three of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's what Boston just did. <laughs> I mean, they just did that exact thing, and they got they landed Al Horford. Um, okay, so my next By one, the way, Curry's don't... 26. I was wrong. 25, but still, he's... He's played very few. He has not a lot of NBA mileage, and maybe this will all like sound silly in the long run, but I think he's going to be a player for them. As do I. As do I. I think he's going to be playing important minutes. If you if people want to like <laughs> equate him to uh, whatever John Jenkins was last year, whatever random off the bench shooter, like no, it's not that. It's not that at all. This dude's exceptionally talented, and I think. He's going to fix a major issue, which sounds weird to say a Mavericks team that has uh, real problems shooting from the outside consistently, but they did. Yeah. They could not fill it up from three last year. And they mentioned his age. He's 25. Harrison Barnes is 24. Quincy AC, 25. AJ Hammonds, 23. Dwight Powell, 25. And Justin Anderson, 22. So you've got a bit of a, uh, a JV building. Um, coming off your bench and with the exception of Harrison Barnes of dudes that are relatively cheap outside of <laughs> Dwight Powell's contract. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you, th- you'd like to be able to lock up for a while and get some rookie level contracts basically, uh, out of most of them. So, uh, I guess we can go to the next one, which is second year Wes Matthews off of the Achilles. I think we're going to be um, borderline amazed at what kind of player he is if he gets back to um, 80% or 85% of what he was in Portland because he was one of my most favorite players to watch in Portland. Um, it has a lot to do with you know having Aldrich and having Dame and the things they can do to a defense, but I think second-year Wes Matthews is going to be such an improvement. Dude, he just struggled nonstop last year. You could see the frustration on his face. He couldn't do what his he wanted his body to do, and you know that's a that's that's a big assumption that he can bounce back uh, and get. You know he's two years older now, 
But uh, I think second-year Wes Matthews is going to be special. Uh, I really hope so, and I think that if I had to bet, I would probably bet on better, but there's at least a 30% chance that he's worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that sucks because yep. everyone likes the guy. I mean, he definitely gives you that just dog mentality that it's easy to pull for, but I would also say that, you know, he's <laughs> he's really swimming upstream. As far as mm-hmm. history goes, now not that sample size is so small. Whenever you see that list of guys with Achilles injuries, that it's really tough to uh, extrapolate out like how each different player with different skill sets and different ways that they utilize their body that it's going to go. But I mean, he could be worse. Yeah, but I really don't think that's likely because what really killed him last year was just that out of the gate, his shot from outside was really not up where you would expect it to be, and. I think like there was a couple months in the second half of the season where he was shooting 40%. Yeah. Um, so I think really, even if he does the exact same thing, but he just shoots the ball better, <laughs> then I would be pretty happy with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if it's like a bounce back of um, athleticism or anything like that. I think it's just him understanding what he needs to do now. Like how how his body will react if he pushes it this way, and what he can do defensively, and how he can get open, and just real simple things that just another year where you're not constantly rehabbing, and that's not constantly weighing on you, and your legs aren't just, um, you know, you don't have you don't have them, you don't have your legs for most of the season, and I feel like last year was almost a lost season for him, and I'd like to see what he does when he has, you know, just simply more time. Because that dude's a freaking really good basketball player. And I he don't al- feel like we saw that. He also might be able to switch uh, with uh, Barnes in a way mm-hmm. that might be pretty exciting. You know, they can, yeah. they can both, on the perimeter, if they're both, like, on the you know, same, their ball side, they can, that's, you know, you're having two elite wing defenders on the same. I mean, that's similar to what he had with Batum. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That should be, you know, if nothing else, a little bit of a wrinkle to watch. Yeah, I think that that was my final kind of um, overall theme for biggest upgrade is defensive versatility. Because you can throw Justin Anderson in there. You can throw, uh, you know, Wes and Harrison Barnes can switch basically one through four. Last year there were so many situations where you would sub somebody in um, and have no versatility to slide up and down the position chart or, uh, you know, you have Zaza in there and just know that you're going to spot them six points uh, if you're playing a a super athletic big and just stuff like that. Just being able to fit better defensively against, I don't know, 25 of the teams in the league. Yeah. I think is we finally given Rick some toys defensively and we'll see what it, what comes of it. But I think the opportunities there. Uh, you want to talk a couple of downgrades or? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that's fine. We can do our downgrades. Um, oh, and one more positive thing is having your own stinking draft pick. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, knock on wood, don't speak so soon. <laughs> right. You never know, man. I mean, I, I feel like they're probably pretty – in a way, I almost feel like Justin Anderson forcing his way into being a rotation player and, you know, by year two. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for a guy who was drafted at like what nineteen? I think it's twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was was Harold nineteen? Uh, Montrez. Like, yeah. Somebody that I wanted went right before. Uh, that was uh, that was Bobby. Whatever Portis. the hell his name is, Portis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I almost feel like him being decent, like mm-hmm. helps helps them just convince themselves just to stand pat. Um, I don't even He's, know if this is necessarily a downgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you look at the top three, let's say top four, four of the top five in this stat, number one, Utah Jazz, number two, Knicks, number three, 76ers, number five, San Antonio Spurs. This is passes made per game. Mm-hmm. The Mavericks were fourth. Hmm. I am almost willing to guarantee you that they fall – I don't know. Let's say like 13 or 14. Okay. And they've always been like an extremely heavy ball movement team. Um, Maybe they don't really get credit for being that. um, Just because it just seems like when that came, they were almost ahead of the uh, their time a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, 2011, I think Rick said on multiple occasions, um, we were the best ball movement team in the league. Yeah, but you always hear about the Spurs. Now, of course, you hear about uh, the Warriors. The Hawks always get credit for this. But the Mavericks don't really ever get mentioned as one of these teams. But they've been this team for a long time. And I think they are going to have to play a ton of inside-outside game with basically everyone outside of... Probably basically everyone outside of their center is going to be posting up. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Um, but I just – I think they're going to be gumming. I think they're going to get even slower in pace. Um, although I do think that their bench unit is going to be – if you were able to tease that out, their bench unit is going to be really fast. But I think that their starting five does have the ability to lock people down, but I also think they're going to be slow. And I don't think that they're going to be a particularly like drive and kick type team because I think that's mm-hmm. where most teams that get six seven passes out of out of a possession, it's because someone broke down an on ball defender and moved it out. I don't yeah. think if you're dumping the ball down to Harrison Barnes and like hoping that somehow he got a you know a guard switched on him, I don't really think he's going to have any reason to pass at all. And if he does, it's going to be one time. Mm-hmm. I just think he's yeah, going to pass a lot next less next year. Yeah. No, and I. I don't think I don't think that's a uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a a, a bad thing, but what we'll to see because uh, early in the season last year, what was it, like first twenty games, they had the best offensive rating for a starting unit, and you're sitting there watching it and you're like, no, this is this is gummed up basketball. Well, like I don't I don't know how you have <laughs> the best offensive rating of a starting unit. It's because they weren't playing that many minutes together. Number one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's interesting. If the ball isn't flying around necessarily and the best, your best way of generating offense is an entry pass and just five power dribbles and get a close to the basket shot. I don't know how that works out. And I don't know what you do with, I don't know how Dirk lives in that space necessarily either. You know, you talk about the center having to run around and set, you know, uh, back picks on people so they can run a flare and get open for a three. I don't know where Dirk lives in that world unless he's just strictly posting up in one-legged fadeaway, uh, you know, 20 times a game. I think they'll probably be able to come up with some crea- some creative ways, but I don't think those creative ways are going to involve near as much just whip around as we've seen mm-hmm. in, years, in years past. 
Yeah, and last year a lot of the passes were meaningless passes too. Yeah. Like it was just save me from this situation we're in. Uh, one of my downgrades is not going to be uh, very fun, but it's going to be honest. Um, going from David Lee to Dwight Powell as the backup four Uh-oh. is gonna is not going to be great. Because <laughs> I haven't seen anything out of Dwight Powell that uh, consistently tells me that he can play heavy minutes without fouling out and run a pick and roll um, until you make him stop. And David Lee would do that last year. Like, there were a handful of games in that first month David Lee was here that he contributed heavily to their winning just by being a really savvy pick-and-roll big. Uh, and it's not necessarily like throwing down dunks on a rim run. It would just be getting the ball um, on the roll and either kicking it or making another clever pass or just finishing with either hand. And I think if Dwight Powell... I need to know what he's doing this offseason. <laughs> like he, I'm so nervous about him uh, and his new contract. I'm a little higher on and confident in Dwight Powell than you are, but I recognize that it might be thirst-based. Yeah, but I, I don't think, think he's bad. I mean, I'm I think not... he's a lot more athletic than David Lee's ever been. So he is, for sure. It comes down to skill and IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, yeah. I mean, he's a fouling machine. Um, mm-hmm. But he is decent when he gets to the line. I mean, mm-hmm. He does get to the line a decent bit for a guy who plays limited minutes. Um, I well, Let's see. Last year he was at what? What's his minute per game? 15 minutes, 14.4. Mm-hmm. I would bet you that he plays 18 minutes a game this year. Yeah, I need more than that. But, yeah, I understand. That's probably realistic. <laughs> and if he's playing 18 minutes a game, he's probably giving you, you know, I think if he gives you, like, nine and six while also not, you know, committing three fouls in 18 minutes, but he probably will. Um, You probably got to be okay with that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The deal is what it is, but I, I – he, he, he excites me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I know no, he he's been he can do some things that no one else can. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he can do a lot of stuff that no one else can on this team. And you know, you can't uh, you can't fake his vertical. You can't you can't fake his ability to catch a lob. Um, there's no amount of drills I can do that can teach his athleticism and his motor. Yeah. Um, but I just need I just need him to be good. Um. And I haven't seen it yet. And the things that David Lee didn't have, he made up for it by just, you know, being savvy on a pick and roll. And uh, I really want Dwight Powell to be good. I don't – I'm not as low on him as a lot of people in this in this uh, Metroplex, in this area, who just think he has nothing, hmm. um, who, who think uh, he shouldn't be in the NBA. That may be why I, I, I go so far the other way. Yeah, I think he's been yanked around like quite a bit. Like I think the big idea initially was for him to be the second unit stretch four so he can run the same exact offense whenever Dirk comes off the court. And I don't think that's him. I don't think that'll ever be him. Um I think you need to use his energy. You need you don't need to fight it. Like I feel like we did the same thing with Al Camino where we would just fight his raw ability <laughs> and try and throw him in this uh this square peg. 
But uh, yeah, there's there's a not fun one for you. And then my other not fun downgrade is going to be just secondary ball handling. Um, I think Seth Curry might solve a lot of that, but I don't know yet. I haven't yeah. seen him. I haven't seen him run points or run secondary ball handler enough to convince me that um, he's going to be a better initiator of the offense than you know ten possessions of Chandler Parsons or. 10 possessions of Ray Felton necessarily. He's great and he's much better in other areas, obviously, that we talked about earlier. But secondary ball handling is might be an issue to start the season. Yeah, they're going their bench unit's gonna turn the ball over. Yeah. And I'm almost okay with it because I just want them to really just try to fucking excuse me, gas the <laughs> uh, the backups. Because if you're telling me that I've got measury I've got probably even Barnes still with Justin Anderson, Seth Curry, and J.J. Barea. I want to run and gun. That's a fast lineup, man. And, you... and, and I know that there's going to be, and especially if Hammonds, which probably it's be February before you ever see him get minutes, if at all. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm okay with them airmailing a few into the stands because I just, I really want to see them try to get out and high fly. Because you yeah, know I mean, Measure can finish. Yep, against some teams, dude, you could roll Dwight Powell at that five, too. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Powell, or even Powell, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not Powell so much at four, but I, I think their second unit is is going to struggle, like you said, with ball handling, but I think that they can mitigate that by creating as many opportunities as possible for themselves. Yeah, I think that second unit, basically what they should be doing in training camp and over the summer is trying to force turnovers. Yeah. Because if you get J.J., Seth, Justin Anderson at three, Barnes at four, and Dwight Powell at five. Like, I I don't know if there's a faster second unit like that I can think of off the top of my head that'll just make you pay uh, quicker yeah, on, the, on the fast break. So I think that's exciting, and that's a trick that hasn't been, you know, in the bag for quite some time. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be weird because it'll be so different from their ones, but, uh, you know, I think – there might be something unique about being able to do that. So I don't know. It's kind of like what we talked about the other day. There are some things to be, uh, I don't know, leery of, but overall, I mean, even though it's, you know, they're not like a contender, they are a very interesting group overall. Yeah. And if you look at the, uh, the multi-year breakdown, obviously Dirk has 25 this year, 25 next year with a very simple uh, early termination option. And if there's something better out there, that you could add, um, you know, there's only a couple positions now that it would make sense to add, which would be basically a one and a five. <laughs> if there's a if there's a point guard or a center next year that's worthy of twenty plus million dollars that agrees to come here uh, in some alternate universe, Dirk will opt out, and you're set up pretty with uh, with money and a pretty cheap uh, young core. Honestly, yeah, it's not all bad. So so. Check I mean, us I out on iTunes. Subscribe to uh, Locked On Mavs, and uh, I think I tomorrow my plan is to kind of walk through the movie Armageddon and compare each member of the 2016-17 roster uh, to the cast member of that movie. Oh, that's cool! Because I was gonna do, um, I was gonna compare Harrison Barnes's career to Matthew McConaughey's career, <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh. Was he in a movie about like mummies? 
is there a a Sahara type? Is there a Matthew McConaughey? There is a Sahara. I just remember Penelope Cruz is in it. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think I just need to know which part of Matthew McConaughey's career is Sahara. <laughs> you mean Harrison Barnes's career? Yeah, yeah. Which part of Matthew of Sir Harrison Barnes' career matches up with Matthew McConaughey's 2005 thriller Sahara? <laughs> it's uh, this year. 39% Rotten Tomatoes meeting. And then I can kind of uh, build from there. It was know? last year's finals. Yeah. You know that. Well, unfortunately, uh, Ray Felton was Bruce Willis, who they just left on the rock uh, (laughs) (laughs) to die on an asteroid. You cried at Armageddon the first time. Don't even. There's no doubt. Don't even BS me. I can't front about that. All All right, buddy. Well, thanks for having me on your show. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. All right. All right, later, man.